0: The book of Leviticus today. Amen. It has been a wonderful study, long haul, but uh, thank the Lord. And uh, all the amazing things that God pictured in his Old Testament, which were confirmed by the Lord Jesus Christ, they came true. And it's just a blessing uh, always to see how God's word just weaves together. And it's just an amazing picture. And not a single word is put in there by accident. Every single word is measured. Every single word is important. And uh, I love that. So today, if you look to Leviticus chapter 27, we'll be covering the verses 15 and on. But by way of review, we're going to look at a couple of things on the slides just to set our tone because this is what's it worth? Okay, what is it worth? Part three. Is what we're looking at today. What is it? we at part three. So just to set our context and remind ourselves what we've been looking at... ...we're going to do a little bit of review here. Alright, number one. In the first verse, it says, "...if a man make a singular vow..." All right, so talking about if you are making a commitment to the Lord, and that word singular, again, is not defined as opposite of plural. It means a great, a a difficult, an important, an exceptional, a marvelous. If you're going to make that kind of promise to God, it is going to cost you. Okay, it's important that you understand you went to the tabernacle And you said, I want to make a vow to the Lord. And then the priest put his hand out and said, that's 50 shekels of silver. Okay? Or, and we looked at all the graduated parts of that. I'm not going to review that. But the object was, if you were going to do any real service for God, you had to pay to be able to do that. Okay? Contrary to what we think nowadays, that, uh, you know, you go to work to do something and you're expected to get paid for what you do. Okay? Okay? what god is teaching is if this is so important to you this commitment if you are that sure that difficult absolute promise that you're going to give god put your money where your mouth is okay so and and we gave the example of what it would be like if we charged like 10 bucks a sunday right come on in everybody's got to give give 10 to come inside the building to be taught from god's word okay that would clean out a lot of churches real fast Okay, you know, and I think a lot of us wouldn't have a problem with that because we love God's word. But there are so many churches full of people that are there just as a habit, okay, just as a tradition. And are they really willing to pay that kind of investment? Okay, and we talked about that. Imagine now, all right, so you have a family of seven, that's 70 bucks. And then by the way, if you're gonna put your kids downstairs in their classes, it's gonna cost you extra money because there's more people involved, right? we'd we'd start thinking twice about church because we've developed sometimes in our culture what's in it for me as opposed to what can i sacrifice for god so we'll keep going on by way of review what amount would you give for the opportunity to serve god some psalm 119 i'm trying to make one of these i don't know if you have a life verse everybody say what's your favorite verse what's your life verse i don't have one There are so many that are good ones, but this is an amazing verse if you guys want to write that one down. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? What can I possibly do? Father, how can I serve you? What is something I can do because of all the wonderful things you've done for me? Isn't that amazing? God is not expecting us to do things because he wants to, he's keeping track and he's going to punish us if we don't. We do it because we love him. Because of all the amazing things he's done for us. Okay, keep going. And then the Romans chapter, the, this verse, I hope many of you have memorized this. I beseech ye therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What can I render to the Lord for all he's done for me? I can become a living sacrifice. That word there is also the foundational word for the word holocaust. Okay, we know that word from a lot of the... Uh, things that happen to the jews that it's a total burning a total consumption how can i consume my whole life by serving the lord okay a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto god which is your really difficult service no it's a reasonable service if god owns us and he's done all these wonderful things for us what can i do in return for him what a privilege it is to serve. Keep going. How much of a privilege is it to serve? Keep going. How much to support the ministry? So we looked at you had to give money if you as a human being wanted to be involved in this ministry. Then we looked at if you're going to involve your, the labor of your hands, your income, your, your work. And it's how much to support your ministry and your income. And then we looked very carefully on make sure... You're careful when you vow a vow. Don't you break your promise to God. And why is that? Because God's going to punish you? No, because God never breaks a promise to us. If we are his children, his priests, his people, and we reflect him, we are Christians, then we ought to make a vow and keep the vow. Because that's what he does. God never breaks a promise, do we? Yep, (laughs) unfortunately. And then God says, listen, if you're going to make that singular vow... Listen, better not, just don't even make it. Then make it and then break it. Just don't even say it. Okay, if you're going to make a promise, keep your promise. Look, next slide. Keep your vow. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word, he shall do according to that what proceedeth out of his mouth. God is very careful that if you're going to make a promise and you're going to say something, keep your promise. All right, and that's why sometimes some of you, you walk and say, "Can you do me a favor?" And in my mind, I'm going, "Oh, what do I say?" Yeah, sure, I'll do you a favor. What do you need? Will you jog to California and get me a coffee? No, of course not. Okay, but you got to be careful because if you make a promise, if you make a, "Sure, I'll help you out." Well, I'd like you to climb that tree and get that little net. You know, okay. I've kind of learned to say, oh, "What do you need?" and they'll say it that I'll say yes I could do that for you I'm not jogging to California I don't think I can jog to Keene okay remember it's a voluntary vow all that God is talking about you don't have to do he doesn't command and say okay you must make this singular vow it says if someone wants to make this kind of important vow okay it's all voluntary isn't that great for God he doesn't expect it we do it cuz we love him But don't stand up. And we looked at the passage last week with Ananias and Sapphira who went ahead and wanted to look very important in front of the church and sold their property and brought all this money and they wanted to get the nice little pat on the back. So we said, sure, yes, we've given all this to God. And God struck them dead for it because they were just doing it for the prestige. They were doing it to get recognized. They didn't have to do it. But when they did make the promise... They better keep their promise all right notice god wants all of you maybe you can't serve god full time and i want to put the caveat out there again there is not a single believer in god's family that is not in full-time service for god every one of us we never get a chance to take a break and say well i'm off from being a christian today (laughs) you know i was a christian but it's it's the fourth of july it's a holiday i don't have to be a christian today we are all full-time in god's family But the issue is there are many who God has called, and the priests are the picture here. The priests were not given any land. They weren't given a lot of things. They were expected to tend to the things of the tabernacle continuously. That's what they did. And we know that there are certain folks in our world who have surrendered all to go to another mission field and depend solely upon God and his people for their survival. Okay, That's what we're talking about. We are all 100% 24 7, 365 in God's service. Okay, but there are those of us who God has chosen to put as in the carpenter mission field or in the plumber mission field or in the accountant mission field. Okay, we are not all going to be living, and uh, I think Dan will get there in 2 Timothy or which one it is, where it says, you know, living off the Word of God, off of the gospel. Okay, that Paul addresses, and I'm sure I'm not going to jump ahead of that, because Dan's going to cover that very well when we get there, okay? But, he still wants all of you, but each and every person can still be involved. So again, and I'll just address this, again, this is all review, so we remember. Only the Levites could be priests. And only the priests could work in the tabernacle. So if you were somebody from Dan, or Asher, or Naphtali, any of these other tribes, you couldn't go into the tabernacle and serve. But God still said, if you from the tribe of Dan, or the tribe of Asher, want to make this kind of singular vow, I'm going to make a place for you to be able to do that. So maybe you can't go in and tend to the table of showbread, and you can't tend the lights, you know, on the golden candlestick, you can't offer incense on the bread, listen, he still makes it so that all of god's people could be involved together okay and we looked at those verses where you know those who stayed by the stuff get the same reward as those who are on the front lines okay so listen i've never been to mexico where our missionaries are i have been to the philippines thank the lord for that i've never been to guam Where some of our missionaries are. I've never been to Israel with some of our missionaries. Some of our missionaries are. But you know what? Because we give and we pray and we're a part of that. That, by Paul's own admission, is on our account. Okay? We are partakers in that. Because I may be a a big guy, but I can't be everywhere. Okay? I'm expanding, so I'm taking up more space than normal. But I can't be everywhere. But we still get to participate in that. So today we're going to be looking at a man can be, when a man sanctifies his house holy unto the Lord. So let's read these first verses here, 14 and 15 together. And when a man shall sanctify his house to be holy unto the Lord, then the priest shall estimate it, whether it be good or bad, the priest shall estimate it. So shall it stand. And if he sanctify it, it will be redeemed, his house, and he shall add the fifth part of the money, the estimation to it. It shall be his. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again. You give us some more pictures and understanding of this concept of what is it worth? How much are we willing to give? How much are we willing to be a living sacrifice in your service lord one of the most amazing privileges and i don't think we will ever understand that until we stand before you father the privilege it is to be a part of your ministry that lord we will see things and and you will open our eyes to to the involvement that your holy spirit puts in our way and lord the opportunities and lord i just pray that we would never take it for granted lord you have left us here for the express purpose of serving you in this world so father thank you for that and help us to at least get a concept of what it's like to be serious about that father thank you in jesus name amen so we're looking at number one again in the old testament we understand when the wording here if you were going to dedicate your house to the lord It was going to cost you. Now get that, you know, how many of you have done this with something? You bought a new car or something else and you say, Father, thank you for this. This vehicle is yours. Help it to be used for your work. Help us to be able to not only use it for a convenience in our life, but Lord, it's yours and we want to be able to use it for you. Lord, thank you for this home that we have. Father, help it to be an open and a welcoming place. Thank you for all that. Talking about a physical piece of property, all right? But we also know that there's more to it when you talk about a house in the Word of God. Go to the next slide, if you will. We know that it pictures both a physical and a spiritual family. Okay, one of the most famous ones right at the end of that verse in Joshua, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, there's a lot of things that need to get done on a daily basis. My house has never done anything. matter of fact, most of the time, the house is part of what i got to do. Okay, you understand, we're not talking about a physical building, we're talking about a family. As for me and my family, okay, my house, we will serve the Lord. So commitment here is, if a man wants to dedicate his house unto the Lord, it's going to cost you. Another thing that's very important is, who else is the house of God? We are. So we have a physical family, I have children, I have parents, I have in-laws, that that is a physical house a physical family but i also have a spiritual family okay and i'm glad to be with god's family on a weekly basis okay and the verses we remind us of these things we look in verse next slide okay first peter says ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable by god doesn't that sound familiar Present your body a living, sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. we're uh, we his house, we're his family. Okay, Ephesians two says, no, they, no uh, now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So there's multiple parts to this. Do you and I want to dedicate our family to make a solemn, difficult, very important promise, a vow to God? To say, Father, my family is yours. We're committed. We're, so I, Lord, I'm making a very important promise here. Well, it's going to cost you. It's an important decision. Can't just say those words. We come up and do baby dedication sometimes when the little ones come up. And honestly, it does absolutely nothing for that child. Okay? It's dedicating the parents to raise that child to serve the Lord. They are coming up and saying, we are promising that this little one we will raise to know the Lord. raise to be a believer. raise to respect God's word. If you're making a commitment for your family, it's going to cost you. It's not just words. You better understand how serious that is. Because I think many of us know, especially when our children get to those ages where they can start making decisions for themselves, that it doesn't always go so well. I got a child in here this morning, all right, that when they have to start making their own decisions, okay, when they're little, I can make a decision and put that foot down and say, because I said so, (laughs) okay, that don't work anymore, it's important, it's going to cost you, there's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of things that have to be offered, not just Okay, I have to buy him clothes and things like that. If you are going to dedicate your life to serve God and your family to serve God, there are some things that are going to come up, and we have to be ready to offer that. It's cost. All right, next, go on. If a man shall sanctify to the Lord his field. Okay, now we're going to read this. There's a lot of technical things in here Uh I'm not going to break down every little piece of this, but I want you to understand, not only a house, but if you had a field, you can offer it to the Lord. Look at verse 16. If a man shall sanctify unto the Lord some part of a field of his possession, then thine estimation shall be according to that seed thereof, and a homer of barley, and the seed shall be valued 50 shekels of silver. He shall sanctify the field from the year of Jubilee according to the estimation it shall stand. But if he, if he sanctify the field after the jubilee, then the priest shall reckon unto him the money according to the years remaining, even unto the year of jubilee, and it shall be abated from the, thine estimation. And if he sanctify the field, um, if he that sanctify the field will in any wise redeem it, then he shall add a fifth part of the money to the estimation unto it, and ye shall be, shall be assured of him if he will not redeem the field or if it be sold the field to another man it shall not be redeemed any more but the field when it goeth out in the jubilee shall be holy unto the lord as a field devoted and the possession thereof shall be the priests and if a man sanctify unto the lord a field which he hath bought which is not of the fields of his possessions then the priest shall reckon unto him the worth of the estimation even unto the year of Jubilee and he shall give thine estimation in, the, in that day as a holy thing unto the Lord. And in the year of Jubilee the field shall return unto him of whom it was bought even to him whom it the possession of the land did belong. A lot of stuff there. I'm not going to teach about the year of Jubilee. We already did that. Okay, there was a whole chapter about the year of Jubilee. Um, Go back and listen to that if you'd like to. The issue here is you can dedicate a field to the Lord. All right. Now, let me pick your brain for a second because spiritually you should have some little red flags going off in your head. If I were to talk about the word field, what does that mean to you? Now granted, I understand that it talks about a piece of land where you're going to grow stuff, right? But in spiritual thinking what is a field what's that people that need to get saved okay a place where god has put you to be a witness go to the next slide please okay the picture is a place that god has given you we use the word mission field all the time don't we We don't say mission country or, you know, mission, you know, we talk about a mission field because that was what God has used all through his word to remind us that there is a world of people out there who need to hear the gospel. All right? And there are many. We'll be referencing here just a couple of Jesus' parables himself who talk about the field and use it as an illustration. That field is the place where God has put you to be a witness for him. Now again, we talked about this sort of full-time thing a minute ago, where you can go to the mission field in Honduras and leave your home and leave everything that you know and go and 100% cast yourself upon God and said you're gonna have to take care of me. Okay, or you can have a mission field with your plumbers, with your coworkers, with your neighbors. How many of you have hobbies? Okay, what do you do? Do you go bowling? Do you go hiking? I know one of the big things that have been a part of this church in years past, and Dan, when he's here, we, he still goes and gets involved with the motorcycle ministry. How many times do we get, have that? Where it's a bunch of people who own motorcycles and get together, and that can be a field of ministry. Now, let me put you, tie these things together. God is saying, if there is a certain field that you want to dedicate to the Lord, well, what's your field? Have you ever thought of giving your field to the Lord? Now again, I understand back in the Old Testament we're actually talking about dirt and stone and everything else where you can grow plants. That's the issue. But where has God placed you to be a witness for him? That's your field. Have you dedicated that field to the Lord? We just talked about houses and cars and things like that where we've gone and said, Father, thank you for this home, help it to me. You ever step back and say, Lord, thank you for this job you've given to me because these are the people now that I get to live my life for Christ in front of? This is my mission field. Have you ever dedicated that field to the Lord? If you do, it's going to cost you. How many of you have got that? Oh, I didn't know you were one of those Jesus freaks. That's why when I was in construction, even being as an ordained minister, such an important term, right? I wouldn't introduce myself as a pastor because I didn't want everybody to go, oh, (laughs) yeah, you go work over there. The rest of us are going to be here. Okay? I would just introduce myself as a fellow carpenter. And then down through weeks and sometimes months, somebody would say, you don't ever swear, do you? And thank the Lord that that was something that the Lord helped me to control not and again please do not think that i am above that words pop into your mind sometimes and you can't help it but it's what comes out of your mouth with the testimony right and i'll say no and then they'll say how come you never join us on a friday night when we go out drinking sorry i'm not into that i don't get drunk and you then begin to say well you know my god I'm a Christian, and they begin to see a difference in you, not because of you declared yourself as an ordained minister of the gospel, but because they saw a difference in your life. Have you ever committed your field to the Lord? It's going to cost you. You might just be called a Jesus freak. But it's important. The priests say, listen, we'll give you an estimation of how much this field. You have to give to the tabernacle for that field to be used for God. Not just, oh, here's this field, how much are you guys going to give me for it? No. As a matter of fact, it's like, here's this field, and I'm going to pay you to take it. Boy, is that contrary to the way we think in America and Western culture, right? Okay, it says... uh, Jesus himself says, another parable he put forth and said unto them, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man with so seed in a field. Okay, and you can go read these parables. He has several about this in Matthew chapter 13. Go to the next slide. Again, in Matthew chapter 16, he says, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field. Now, how much are you willing to give for your field? Catch this. Which, when a man hath found it, he, uh, he hideth, And for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Now, number one, this is a prophecy and a description of what the Lord Jesus Christ did. He saw the treasure here in this field on the earth. And he gave up all that he had, everything, including every drop of his blood, to purchase this field because he saw the hidden treasure that was here but this is the issue is you have a field in your life are there people there that you would really like to see get to know the lord jesus christ as their savior are you willing to sell all that you have because the last thing i checked it wasn't even ours in the first place was it how much are you willing to give what can i return unto the lord for all that he has done for me What are you willing to give to serve in the field that God's put you on? Hmm. Next part. Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which soweth good seed in his field. And down the paragraph it says, and the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Over and over God said, You have a field. It's this world. It's people. Back in chapter 13, in like verse 38, it says, The field is the world. The field of those who need to meet Jesus Christ. They need to understand the word of God and the seed that you and I have the privilege to go plant is his word. Are we willing? All right, let's move on. How much is it worth to share the field, uh, the word of God in your mission field? What are you willing to put out? What are you willing to sacrifice? Oh, well, you know, I'm a busy man. I have lots of things I got to do. You ever get one of those things, of maybe a neighbor or a coworker, or somebody says, can I talk to you for a second? Oh, well, well you know, uh, well, I, uh. how about, uh, here's a big one. Putting aside your fear and saying, even if this makes me uncomfortable, if that's, if that's the cost, I'm willing to pay it. Because I'm just like you. There's people I've known for years, and when you start talking about the Lord inside you, you get that little, But well, what are they going to think? What are they going to call me from now? What if they reject what I'm saying? What if they don't like it? What if I lose them as a friend? Or Are you willing to sacrifice that for the Lord? How much? Next slide. Oh, notice the cost to you to use it after it's been offered. Now, we read it several times here here's something even more amazing about this scenario that is so different than we think in Western culture and, you know, this society we live in. Not only are you going to offer the field or the house to God, and you're going to pay them to, to have this offer solidified, now you have to pay them a fifth part of that to be able to use it while it's God's. So here's a field, I'm going to give it to you as the priests, but if I'm going to redeem it so that I can use it, I've got to give a fifth part back to God. So now I've given it to God, I've paid for God to take it, now I'm going to pay so that I get a chance to use that which is God's. Remember I told you how much is it worth? Look at a couple of verses here. Look at chapter 27, verse 15, run to the first verses. If thou wilt sanctify it, will redeem, excuse me, if he that is sanctified will redeem it, then he shall add the fifth part of the money to the estimation, and it shall be his. So you offer it to God, you pay them to make sure that it is, you know, that God receives it and all this deal is done, and now I'm going to give God extra money so that I can use it as my own. So I gave him land, I gave him money to take the land, and now I'm giving him money to use the land that I gave him so that I can use it. How much is it going to cost? Okay, look back down here to verse, 30, uh, verse 19 first. Okay, verse 19, same idea. If he will sanctify the field, or he that sanctified the field will in any wise redeem it, then he shall add the fifth part of the money in the uh, estimation to it, and he shall, it shall be assured of him. So I've given the field to them, I've paid them to take the field and make it the Lord's, and now I'm going to pay them so I can use the field that was mine in the first place, but I wanted God to have it. How much is it going to cost? And then the big one here in verse thirty-one and thirty-two. And if a man will redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth part, concerning the tithe of the herd of the flock, even whatsoever passeth under the rod. The tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. Now get this. Now we think about a tithe as everybody's grabbing for their wallet pastor stop talking about money every time we go to church all you ever do is talk about money okay we're not talking about money here for the tithe we're talking about money here to redeem the tithe so i've got 20 chickens okay my tithe for those 20 chickens would be how many chickens two thank you people can still do math in this age it's awesome i guess they still teach it in school so, my tithe of those chickens, what I would bring two chickens to the temple, to the tabernacle, and offer those as my tithe. But if those chickens were extremely important to me, because I love those two chickens, okay, one of them was named macaroni and the other one was named, uh, you know, fettuccine, okay, we named our chickens all kinds of fun stuff. If I really wanted those chickens for my use, I could go to the priest and say, listen, listen, I want to redeem those. I want to use those chickens. I offered them to God, but I need to have them back for me. What is that going to cost me in funds? A fifth part. I gave them a fifth part to buy back that tithe. So not only is, am I getting back what I want, but now it's costing me a double tithe. Right? A fifth part is more than a tenth. You ever hear that story where... Uh, I think it was Hardee's or one of those, uh, wanted to outdo McDonald's quarter pounder. And so they made a third of a pound hamburger. Okay, but nobody would buy it because they thought it was smaller than the McDonald's quarter pounder. Because they don't do the math. Okay? But if you're going to get that 10% tithe in, in your grain or your chickens or your cattle or any, anything that passes under the rod. Remember, if you know the story about Jacob, that's how they counted their flocks. Okay? What he's saying is if you wanted those back, you offered them as a tithe, it's not going to cost you 10%, it's going to cost you 20% to get that back. You can get it back, but it's going to be double. You see how much? over and over and over God is emphasizing that it is going to cost you to be serving God. It is going to take effort on our part to be involved in the ministry. It's not just something like, yeah, why not? Uh, Maybe I'll do something for the Lord this week. No, it's going to cost you. And it's pretty hefty because God wants to know we're serious about this. Please understand, it's still voluntary. You didn't have to do it. But you could always say, Lord, I'm involved and I'm in 100%. Because that's what he owns anyway. All right, next part. No holy thing could be purchased back. 26 through 28, there are certain things that God already said, it's mine. You didn't give it to me, it's mine. You can't buy it back because it's already mine. You didn't have it in the first place, you can't buy it back. If You didn't have it in the first place, there's no redeeming it, right? So verse 26 says, only the firstlings of the beast, which should be the Lord's firstlings, no man shall sanctify it, whether it be ox or sheep, it is the Lord's. If it be an unclean beast... Then it shall be redeemed according to its estimation, the fifth part thereunto. And if it not be redeemed, then it shall be sold according to the estimation. God says there are certain some things that are mine. Back in the law and other places, it talks about that firstling of the flock is automatically the Lord's. You don't get a chance to say, oh, this is the firstlings. Well, I'll give this to the Lord when I look important. No, it was already God's. You had no choice. You brought it because it belonged to him already. That was not a volunteer offering. So there's certain things, and this is where I want to make this point clear. Certain things we can volunteer because it's a free will offering, we'd do it. There's certain things that God expects. Okay? There's a difference. If God, if you are, um, <laughs> i trying to stay away from a family illustration that happened between my brother and I. But if you uh, get on a website and you see this deal about uh, you're going to buy a, a lawnmower for 200 bucks. And you show up and you give the guy 200 bucks and you feel like you're doing him a big favor. No, you're not. You agreed for 200 bucks. You gave him 200 bucks, he gave you the lawnmower. That's the deal. You don't pat yourself on the back like, yeah, I just gave that guy 200 bucks. Isn't he a lucky guy? No. When you give to God what you've already agreed is God's, there ain't no bragging on it. Okay, and Paul talks about that several times, about, you know, if you're gonna do what is expected of you, Don't feel proud of yourself. That's what's expected. Okay? It's the over and above, these voluntary offerings that we have a chance to make a special promise. But the point is, if it's already holy unto the Lord and it belongs to God, don't feel good about giving it. Okay, these rules don't apply. All right. Next part. The shekel of the sanctuary. And this is where I told Joyce when she asked a question about a shekel back then, and we talked about what the value of a shekel is and the value of a shekel changes depending on, uh, well, <laughs> I don't want to bring up this political subject, but how many of us remember how, know that the dollar, the value of a dollar in America changes? Okay, <laughs> it's kind of that same concept. Um, so, but I want you to understand, this was not a shekel by governmental standards. This was the shekel of the sanctuary. Okay, what the key to it is, is there is an absolute standard with God? You don't go, oh well, you know, in the world it's worth a little bit less today. So, no, God has an absolute standard. His standard does not change; it is the same. That is why this is carefully called the shekel of the sanctuary. In those other ones, um, God has an absolute standard. It is His word. Okay, there's one thing that He's given to us that is absolute. It is the authority. There is no change in it. Okay? We have to recognize it as an absolute standard. Now hang on to your... Uh, well, you know, tighten up your suspenders here for a minute because I'm going to say a couple of things that may make you go, whoa, 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 hang with me for a minute. okay? Not just any word of God, he always, always, always has an absolute standard. Okay, That absolute standard at this point in time is the King James Version of the Bible. Now hit the button. Wait. Before you get wound up. All right. We preach out of the King James Version. Here you go to the next slide. Before you get worked up, I'm not saying that there are not other Bibles you can read. Next portion of the slide. Dan and I, we read and sort other versions all the time to learn. Because our language is complicated. Okay, we just talk about words nowadays that you use that are different. You know, how many, here's a good word for you, the word gay. Go back 70 years, what did gay mean? Happy. You know, it, it meant you were having a great time. That word's totally different now, right? So we have to adjust sometimes to our language to make it pertinent. Here's a big one for you. Every time we get up here and preach, we paraphrase the word of God. Right? we're just reading these verses i don't just get up here read the verses amen and walk away we share what those verses mean in what god has taught us so we are continuously doing a little additional translation and additional commentary to what god is that's what preaching is but god has always had a standard Okay? In our church, we understand that standard is the King James Version. But there are times where we will quote and read from other versions. And again, if you are reading a different version, don't you dare leave here and say, Pastor said this is terrible, I need to throw it in the trash. I never said that. Okay, but all down through history, every time period, there has always been a portion of Scripture or the Word of God Guys, we're talking about this in Job. That was passed down orally. Okay, that they understood the truth even back then before they had a written language. Every time period has an absolute truth. Keep going. Today, there's only one reliable translation in English. Okay, there was one made in Spanish. Okay, that is reliable. The key to this whole situation is... Yeah, one more on this slide. I right, go ahead and push the next one. Okay, remember, there are versions being translated at this very moment. You know, people get wound up and say, oh, well, what do you mean? There's a, you know, that was back in 1611 that they made that, you know. Right now, there are people in Africa and Asia and other places that are literally struggling and working very hard to translate reliable copies of the Word of God this very moment. So to think something that happened 400 and something years ago is the only thing we can do is... Clo- I don't put my God in a box. But the issue being, where are the translations coming from? Okay, if a version in the Middle East right now is being translated from the Mormon Bible, I don't consider it worth anything. Just because it's being translated a copy of the Word of God... If you have a copy of the Word of God, that's from the Dewey Rhymes, right? From the Catholic Bible. There are problems with those versions of the Scripture because the originals that they were taken from, there are mistakes. Okay? And you can come talk to me later. Did I write that? Yes, I did. Come see me later. There are, over and over, there are instances where we can make this clear. Okay? There is one version that we know absolutely comes from reliable texts. Does that mean you don't read the other versions? Absolutely not. Do you come hear me preach? And I'm paraphrasing God's word. Do you go home and say, oh, I hope you don't say this. That Well, Pastor Dan, Pastor Craig said this, so that's what I believe. Don't you dare do that. You open up your Bible and you make sure that we are right. Because we are not the translator standard. We believe that there's an absolute, and we'll take that absolute and we'll Bring a bunch of things in to help us talk about it and understand it better. But if you take my words as a translator and paraphraser right now as gospel truth, don't you dare. Because we have a standard. Now, again, there's truth to this. I can talk to you about it later. I'm not here to fight about this you know, or give you any concept that, that you know, oh, my word, I, Pastor. No. I just want you to understand that God has always had a standard. Now, if you have the idea, and here's my point that I'll probably end this part of the conversation with, is if you have an idea that every version of the Bible that has been produced is good, then we have a problem. Because there's some of them that are absolute trash. That's the point I'm trying to make. There's ones that are really good for our learning. There are other ones, a Reader's Digest condensed version of the Bible. Be careful, please. That's my point. God has had a standard and, I mean, from the Geneva Bible and the Tildale Bible and the Wy- Wycliffe Bible and before that, this part of the slide. You know, God is a translator. He knows how to translate. We think, all oh, that was written 4,000 years ago and don't touch it. No, God's a translator. He translates his word all the time. As a matter of fact, the Gospels that Jesus and the disciples spoke in Aramaic, right? That was the language that they spoke. But what was the Gospels written in? The common language, Greek. So even all the conversations that Jesus had with his disciples and everything weren't even in the language that they were recorded in for us to, to have for posterity's sake. God is a translator. He knows what he's doing. When it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. I believe that doesn't mean when Samuel finished putting the dot on the, the end of his thing that God was done taking care of that copy of Samuel. He's been guiding it through history. And there are languages right now that people are producing Bibles for the first time ever in certain languages around this world, and that excites me. Okay, so there is an absolute standard. We are trying our best to translate Bibles from the standard into languages that people can use. Keep that in mind, please. Okay, someday... There may be another English version of the Bible that is just as reliable. But the majority of the ones that are out there are taken from originals that have problems. That there are mistakes, that there are omissions, and they're very easy to see. They're not hard. So the object is just be careful because God has a standard. You believe God has absolute standards? Okay, now I'm not telling you you believe the Bible. You believe that God has things that he says are right and wrong. Okay, so that is a truth so there's an absolute standard we need to be looking for if you just go ahead and say "Ah, just believe anything comes down the pike dan just dealt with this in sunday school that there were teachers that were not teaching the truth and god warns us over and over that there will be wolves in sheep clothing that there will become those who are coming and preaching damnable heresies amongst god's people and many of them do it with one of these in their hands there is an absolute standard. We've got to be careful. You've got to be alert. Okay. So, remember, you could have different values of currency, but when you went to the tabernacle, you had to deal with the shekels of the sanctuary. God, well, here's what I want to give. And God says, well, listen, you're doing this in my value, my standards, not yours. W- are you willing to offer something that's going to cost you, but it's my terms, not yours? Okay, we see that. You couldn't offer unclean beasts and things like that because those things weren't valued to God. You had to stay with what things were important to God himself. Okay, God has an absolute standard. All right, here we go. Have you committed your house to the Lord? Have you? If a man's going to commit a house to the Lord, it's going to cost him something. Have you? Now, maybe your house is smaller than it used to be. We are empty nesters. Okay, we were a family of five, now we're a family of two. Because they've grown up and they have their own house now. Okay? Maybe you're a family of one. Maybe you're a family who has four little boys. Who drive their mother and father insane. Are you willing to commit your house to the Lord? What about this church? Are we as God's church? His spiritual family? His spiritual house? Is this place committed to the Lord? It's going to cost. How valuable is our opportunity to serve God how about your field you've committed your field to the Lord where is it that is your field do you even have you even pondered that maybe this is the first time you ever thought of it well I don't go to a mission field yeah you go to a mission field probably every day where's your mission field have you committed that to the Lord have you said father whatever it takes to reach this field I'm committing it to you it might cost me something but I'm giving it to you. It's yours. Last bit. You have God's absolute standard. Again, not floating through this like, well, whatever, I'll watch this clown on the TV, and then I'll watch that guy on the TV, and then maybe I'll watch a couple of good ones on the TV, and then I'll go to church. You've got to understand, not everything out there that uses the name of Jesus Christ is truthful. You have to be looking carefully at certain things. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. Take away a grain of salt. You know, if you go and say, Pastor told me not to read my Bible, I'm going to punch you right in the mouth. Okay? But understand, we want to try our best to find out what God's truth is always. Always. And that means this fellow standing right here, right now, wants you to make sure that what we are sharing together is God's truth. Always. Always. Always double check us, please. Because I make mistakes. And Dan was talking about guys coming out of Bible college. I remember I was one of those guys. And in Bible college, they do that rah, rah, re thing, right there. Let's go. You're going to take the world. You're going to change it. You're going to go out there for God. Rah, rah. Woohoo. You're the best thing that's ever happened to the gospel. They'll say stuff like that because they just want you to go out there like, yeah, I'm so excited. Okay? But you go out going, uh okay they told me to say this so that's what i'm going to say and until you start understanding like wait a second that professor said that but when i actually look at god's word it's not really what god's word says is it because this is the standard not a professor not a pastor the word of god do you have an absolute standard okay read it study it learn it let it change your life and then ponder those three questions as we pray Father, again, what a privilege. Lord, I don't think I can emphasize that even. We are a bunch of messed up people. But Father, you use messed up people. David, the adulterer, planned a manslaughter, lost a child. Moses killed a man. Father, over and over, your word of God is full of people who were messed up but you still chose to use them what an amazing god you are in that you allow us to be involved in something so precious as your service but father it doesn't come casually it ain't for the couch potato father it's going to cost it takes effort it takes a singular vow if we are going to voluntarily step up and say i want to be involved lord then it's a difficult costly important decision that has to be weighed carefully and so father we've looked at a couple of things here over these last few weeks number one if you're going to give your life to the lord number two if you're going to give your finances to the lord father we talked about if you're going to give your home to the lord your family, if you're going to give your field that place that God has put you to minister, if you're going to put those things in God's hand and say, Lord, it's yours, it will cost. So Father, help us to be careful, not vowing vows that we can't keep. We're not trying to do this to impress you or anybody else, but if it is something that you've truly laid on our hearts, we don't make promises, Lord, and not plan on keeping them. But if we are going to vow those vows, we have to realize how important those things truly are. Lord, thank you again for the amazing privilege to walk as children of light in this world of darkness. Help us to take it seriously. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.